You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Thursday edition of the Standing Room Spartans podcast uh, here with my co-host Scott. That's at Spartan Martin 18 on Twitter. You can follow me at Standing Room MSU. Um, we'll get this out of the way real quick here. If this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe, uh, share with your friends and family. Anybody you know would appreciate any uh, Michigan State football content. We love to add uh, to our fan base. We love to add some uh, interaction with the show. So with that, Scott, it is, we're in the middle of, uh, of the early signing period, the, the beginning of the signing day here. And uh, we just landed a couple big tunas here, but um, I'll let you kind of take this where you want. Uh, first of all, how are you feeling? And uh, second of all, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, we're in the middle of signing day here. It has been a day. Uh a great one, I think, by most accounts. No, it's, it's exciting. It's a great day. Obviously excited to be back on the podcast for another another great episode. We have a lot to talk about. We're probably going to, it's going to feel a little rapid fire here. We're up against it with a couple other real world uh, obligations and a lot, we got a lot to talk about. So um, as far as recruiting goes, I mean, it's kind of mostly chalk, you know, we're getting kind of who we expected to a couple of the higher rated guys still have yet to sign on, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about those guys. But Obviously, the big story so far today is Ma'a Nauteote out of uh, Nevada. He was originally, his brother was going to USC, has now decided to transfer. He was committed to the younger one. Ma'a was committed to USC since 2018. It's actually been almost three years. It was like early 2018 he committed to them. So um, big flip, obviously, for Mel Tucker to get him to commit today. That's been kind of the big news. Apparently he didn't really want a lot of fanfare around his recruitment. So he kept it quiet until the day of here. And I mean, there were certainly rumors, but obviously great to see that get he's already the highest rated recruit in this class, uh, regardless of where you get your ratings for recruits, if you believe in that kind of thing. Um, So yeah, no exciting. Like I said, the rest of the class is kind of what we expected. And uh, obviously all in all, just a really impressive first class for Mel Tucker, given the circumstances he was working under. Yeah, you uh, you put the tape on this kid now, Teote, and it's it's fun to watch, man. He he flies around the football. Uh, you can tell he's got that athletic profile that Mel Tucker looks for, but you know you you can you can see pretty clearly that this is a big time linebacker that this kid can step in right away, um, even as a true freshman and contribute. I, I really do believe that from what I've seen and. Um, he, I know he plays in a league that, you know, they're putting out D one players. He's not just playing against some scrubs out there, um, at Bishop Gorman. So unbelievable get for this, uh, for this class. Uh, like you said, I, I mean, it's, it's adding another piece to this recruiting class, which as of right now, look, I, this is something that, that I kind of mentioned before we, we started recording. Like if, if you told me, going into to Mel Tucker's uh, hiring, you know, way back in February. Now, again, late in the late in the uh, process, you're you're already past the the signing period for the previous class. Like, you know, how was he going to scrape together this recruiting class? And then COVID hits and you're not able to get kids on campus and visiting Um, and, and to put together a class which is now ranked right around the top 25 in the country. 
uh, with still a couple guys left to go. I know there's a center that was previously committed to Texas. Michael Mishlinski, I believe is his name. Um, he's like a, a mid three-star kid that, you know, has a lot of fans out there in the scouting community. Um, so it, he would be another one that would continue to, to plug away at this, but man, you, you tell me at that time, um, late in the process, no on-campus invites that Mel Tucker was going to put together a top 25 class in the country. Again, like you said, you know, whether you, you take a lot of stock into the star ratings and stuff, I, I try to uh, avoid it as much as I can, but at the end of the day, and it, it speaks volumes to say that, you know, he, he has put together a class with a, a handful of guys here. Uh, now Teote, Rashawn Benny, who, who hasn't, you know, actually put pen to paper yet, but we're pretty confident that he will. Um, Charles Brantley, some of these guys who you, you look at the tape and you say, that's a guy that can contribute right away. And that, you know, I feel pretty confident it's going to be a good ball player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just really impressive. It's exciting. Um, we've got a lot to look forward to. And, and, you know, back to Nateote, one of the mo most exciting parts of that is the fact that that was now shaping up to be one of our probably, I wouldn't say weakest, but most, it has a lot of question marks at his position group. Um, we don't really know what we're going to get out of linebackers next year. The guys behind Antoine Simmons, obviously we're expecting Simmons to move on after this year. The guys behind him um, haven't exactly shown the most promise, I mean, I guess as a stopgap guy, they're okay, but uh, not really, you know, program builders. So from what we've seen anyway, so getting a guy who's, you know, field ready from game one, or that, at least that's the expectation right now um, to be able to come in and, you know, who knows how many years he might play at Michigan state, but just as long as he's here, be, be a guy that you can build the whole defense around. And um, again, he's, he's kind of one of those linebackers, combination of speed and power is kind of what they're saying. He can do it all. He can cover in space. He can line up against, you know, big, uh, big 10 running backs and stop them in the hole, kind of a do it all Swiss army knife, kind of uh, outside linebacker. Honestly, doesn't sound too dissimilar from Antoine Simmons, just as far as general skill set. I, I certainly wouldn't say he is the next Antoine Simmons. There's a lot yet to prove, but just as far as the way that his kind of athletic profile you know maps out it's it's very it's a very similar player so it's really exciting we'll see what the rest of uh obviously national signing day uh has in store and, and in mel tucker's press conference today he mentioned that he is they are still very very focused on the transfer portal as well obviously that's hasn't even nationally hasn't even really started to pick up yet uh, i expect that to, to pick up here coming into bowl season in the next couple months as we get into the early off season so um, yeah, to be here where we are now already is really exciting. And I expect there's going to be some more, uh, waves to be made yet in the next couple months by this staff and this program. Yeah. One thing I do hate about following recruiting is you get a lot of these just cryptic tweets, cryptic messages, <laughs> you know, Hey, there's, there's a player who, who fans don't know about yet, who, you know, might be say it's, it, it does get kind of obnoxious. I won't name names, but um, I'm sure people can kind of point to who I might be talking about there. Um, it, but this was one of those guys where, like you said, you know, he seems like a kid who just kind of wanted to keep everything quiet and under wraps. Um, and I respect the hell out of that. You know, he's, he's not looking for clout. He's not looking for, you know, attention. He just wants to pick the right place for him and he wants to go play ball. And, and if, if that's not all enough, everything that we've just mentioned about him on the field, um, Scott, I have a quote for you. This is from Corey Robinson uh, on rivals. He did a nice piece on uh, now Teoti. He got the chance to speak with him. And uh, this is a direct quote here. Um, just, uh, he was asking about like what you basically why Michigan state. And he said, just coach Tuck and want wanting to be part of the best program. I want us to run the big 10 because they already own Michigan. So if everything we said wasn't enough, um, that right there, put it over the top. I, I think people in East Lansing are losing their minds over this kid and, and rightfully so uh, I think he's going to be a hell of a player, but um, I don't know. You, you look elsewhere in this class, like I said, you know, as far as the kids you, we have locked up as um, that have put pen to paper that have signed on Charles Brantley's a defensive back from uh, Venice, Florida, I think is going to have the opportunity for some early playing time. Um, but we talked about some of these kids who are enrolling early Hampton Fay, the quarterback who 
Um, he's been playing really well here as his senior year goes on. Uh, everything I've seen from him is really positive. Um, and AJ Kirk, he's, he's the most recent one to join. Um, Ethan Boyd, uh, is another offensive lineman who's joining Hampton Fay and, and the early enrollee. Um, there's one I'm missing. I think Michael Gravely, the defensive back from Ohio, um, AJ Kirk, um, just announced today that he will be enrolling early as well. So another defensive back out of Ohio, um, you know, we'll talk about the defensive backs here in a second, but Hey, maybe this is a situation where these kids kind of see the writing on the wall. They're like, man, Michigan state's got DBs dropping like flies. Maybe if I can get in there early, um, I can get a chance for some early playing time. Um, maybe, you know, a little bit of, a um, a little unlike, you know, this, this is a story that just popped into my head, but, um, we were talking, there's a kid at UNC that, you know, we, we were talking about like the, the commitment that it takes to, to enroll early, skip out on your spring semester of, of high school. There's a kid over at UNC, Tony Grimes. He is currently a, a senior in high school and he's playing cornerback for North Carolina. I don't know how the NCAA rules work on that, <laughs> but he, his uh, season was canceled in Virginia and they allowed him to just start playing early. So um, yeah, th- that's taking it to another level, but I do respect the hell out of these kids who decide to, to graduate early, come onto campus and get involved with this team right away. So AJ Kirk is joining the group there. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I love to see that. Um, obviously it shows dedication to the program and, you know, we mentioned, I think on the last episode or one of the last episodes, you know, just the sacrifice that that entails for a high school senior this year, it's even, you know, more of a challenge to kind of break down that kind of decision-making, but, you know, in a normal year, it takes a whole lot for those guys to give up that, you know, that big senior spring semester when all those exciting things are happening with your friends to go, you know, put your future kind of on the front burner, if you will, and, uh, and get in there early and start getting to work. And, um, it's exciting certainly. And, and I think the guys that are enrolling early, you know, like you said, a lot of them are, are guys that may be seeing the writing on the wall that they already have the talent to push the guys in front of them. I'm not going to say they're going to get on the field or earn starting spots or anything, but they, you know, they they're, they will be in the mix in the spring and in camp to be fighting for minutes already. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really exciting time. Um, like I said, expect more from the transfer portal as well. Uh, staying on the theme of Nateote, his older brother is also, you know, he played three years at USC, pretty, pretty good stats by all accounts, pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty big producer for their defense and, and is, will be ready to play wherever he goes, certainly. So, um, I mean, some yeah, people are five-star make... kid that, you know, yeah. was able to put it together and get it on the field, right? Just because you're a five-star doesn't mean you're automatically a good player, but you know, he showed on the field in the Pac-12 that that the five-star rating was warranted. So, yeah, and he, uh, some people have linked him to Michigan State. I think that's more so because of the rumors around his brother. Not rumors anymore, but at the time there were rumors that Ma was coming over here. So I don't know how much merit there is to the rumors about him, but you never know. And, and I know, I know, Jalen Naylor already tweeted at him today, like something like "Come join your little bro" or something. Yeah. So. The, the guys yeah, he, on the team are certainly uh, part of this recruiting process. Absolutely. And he fits, you know, the uh, Mel Tucker athletic mold. Uh, Tucker, you know, clarified that a little bit more, talking about how they're running their recruiting like an NFL recruitment um, or scouting department. And, uh, you know, they have a spe- very specific um, physical mandate, if you will, for the guys that they're looking at. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think – you know, Mel Tucker, it's interesting because Tucker and D'Antonio, they both kind of were looking for diamonds in the rough, especially early in their tenures. Um, Tucker seems to be going for like the, the unrefined physical, you know, find football guys with a good frame and develop them into the player you want them to be. D'Antonio almost was like that. Take the undersized guy with the chip on his shoulder, yep. good instincts, you know, well-developed mentally and technically but maybe Sowards of the world. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's a similar kind of um, approach, but also different at the same time in what they're looking for. So we'll see how it comes together. Obviously for Tucker, um, we haven't seen any of his recruits come in yet. So we'll see what he makes with his first class. There's certainly size in here. I mean, you know, just to name (laughs) one guy, you've got uh, Derek Harmon coming out of uh, Loyola at, 
depending on where you look, six five two or 350, 360 pounds. They showed his <laughs> highlight tape today when he signed his, his letter of intent. And he looks like, you know, those tapes where you've got like an NFL player, you know, lining up for some practice snaps with high schoolers. And I mean, he just, he's an enormous human being. I, it's hard the, to break down his film. The first nobody... play, yeah. The first play of his film, he just like, he, he takes one arm, he throws his guard like four yards to the left he takes the running back and he just picks him up and he throws him like eight yards further back into the backfield. And yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do with that, but it dude's enormous. Right. I mean, at, at that level, you know, size can get you a long way. So we'll see kind of how that translates into a, you know, a big 10 um, power struggle in the trenches there, but uh, no, it's exciting to see size. I think we're going to see some serious mismatches physically rolling out onto the field the next couple of years. Um, and then it'll be up to the coaching staff to see how much they can refine them into, you know, well-rounded players, but it's exciting. We didn't always have that under D'Antonio. I mentioned he, he kind of sometimes took the, the physically disadvantaged guys who he knew had, you know, the technical ability or the, the potential and made them into something. So a different approach, but it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah. And, and this, it's really a good test for this coaching staff in, in an interesting way, because, um, this is something that I've listened to Barton Simmons talk about quite a bit. He's one of the head analyst type guys on 24 um, seven. He's on the cover three podcast. It's a college football podcast that, that covers all the national stories. Um, but you know, something he talks about quite a bit because, you know, he's kind of the recruiting expert, the recruiting guy. And they're always asking him about, you know, what's, you know, this, this team is bringing in a top five class or this head coach, brought in three straight top 10 classes at Tennessee, but they're still not any good. Um, and, and he talks about all the time. He's like, look, my, my service and my job basically is dependent on recruiting. But at the end of the day, the, these coaches, it doesn't matter what kind of recruits you're bringing in if you don't develop them. And, and that's something he's talked about quite a bit. And that's something obviously that D'Antonio did better than anybody in the conference for a stretch of, for a period of time there bringing in a dark West Denard, a two-star kid, developing him into a first round player, um, bringing in a Trey Waynes, developing him into a first round player. So, you know, that's, that's what we're, we're going to have to wait to see. Can Mel Tucker, can Scotty Hazleton, can Jake Johnson take these guys and develop them further to that next level to really untap that potential. Uh, you know, we, we don't have any of those answers right now, but like you said, as of right now, we sit here, we got a bunch of big athletic kids. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that all comes together here as the years go by. But um, like you said, we're certainly not finished yet. We're, we're going to be looking at that transfer portal. There are a few kids still out there um, that, that the, that the coaching staff is still going to be coming after. And um, we'll see how all this shakes up by the time the final signing day approaches and, uh, where this class stands, but it's, it's a really impressive job by this coaching staff. Um, that wasn't the only news of the day though. Uh, this has been a crazy, a crazy day, a crazy really week for, for Michigan state football. And we want to make sure we hit all of it, um, earlier today as well, actually like an hour before we started recording, uh, Naquan Jones, uh, declared for the NFL draft. He put his name out there. Um, he joins Shakur Brown as two guys who have already, uh, you know, put out their declarations uh, for the NFL draft. Now, I want to start with Naquan Jones. Um, he's somebody I think NFL teams are going to be really excited by. He's he's coming in right now, right around like 6'5", 340 pounds, and he has a mean first step. And that's something that I think NFL teams are really going to love. When you got a kid that size, uh, who can come off the ball the way that he does. It's it's really impressive. And is it as consistent as you would like it to be? Not yet. Um, is he, you know, going to be running like a five flat 40? Probably not. But I do think uh, he's going to be drafted somewhere around the fourth round, which, you know, that's where Josiah Scott went. He's already starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, um, that's, that's a pretty priority pick for an NFL team, but I, I really think that NFL teams are really going to like him. Um, he does, be, he does bring you an, an ability to push the pocket a little bit from the inside and in, in the passing game. I mean, obviously we've seen him over the years and what we can, what he can do in the running game as well. 
uh, really just taking down blocks and shedding double teams and getting into the backfield. So I wanted to start with Naquan. Shakur Brown is the other guy uh, who has declared for the draft. Scott, if you want to touch on on one or both of these guys, uh, what do you think about them and, and their prospects for the draft? And what are we going to be missing as Michigan State fans as they're moving on to the next level? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because both of these guys were backups last year. Um, they were not starting. Obviously, they were both in the, the rotation last year. But uh, so we really only have this season and NFL teams really only have this season to to evaluate them as a starting guy at their position. Um, Naquan Jones, I think, probably had a little bit more recognition coming into this year. Uh, obviously, he was playing behind a couple of really, really good um, all big 10 defensive tackles last year and Mike Panashuk and uh, Raekwon Williams. So we knew, you know, the talent might be there. He was just, you know, there, there weren't the, the snaps or the minutes, if you will, uh, for him to get in. But he, I mean, he's been one of our favorites, you know, at the standing room Spartans podcast here for a while uh, coming into the year, we were really excited about him. Just a really likable guy, a guy you just can't help but root for. And, uh, and like you said, just has the physical attributes and has, you know, anchored a team that a Michigan state team that had a lot of gaps this year, but I don't think the inside run defense was one of those real concerns uh, throughout the year. They did a pretty good job against just about every opponent to really lock down, force them to go outside and find different ways to create mismatches. So um, a lot of that comes down to the fact that defensive tackle group, which obviously was led by Jones. Um, I think I agree. I think, I'm not the expert, the draft expert as much as you are, but I agree it's probably second half of the draft somewhere. Um, but, you know, a good defensive tackle, you can throw them in there with confidence on any NFL team. It's it's not the most um, risky place to put a guy who's still kind of trying to find his sea uh, legs in the league. And, and, you know, you can teach him a few of the basic techniques and let him go out there and roll. And, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, and he's, he's one of those players him. where, like you said, kind of, especially for his position, I mean, he's got the size and power to go in right away. So right. Uh, regardless of, of what else, you know, there, there might be some techniques he needs to work on there. There might be a little bit to refine his game, but I think NFL teams can feel confident putting him out there that he's not going to be a liability, right? There's some of these players that they come in and it's like, well, he's not ready to play. Uh, Naquan Jones might not be a, a, you know, an all pro or anything, but I feel pretty confident putting him in there right now. Like if he were to, to join the Detroit lions today, I would feel confident putting him out there and say, well, he's not going to get pushed off the line of scrimmage. Right. And, and so that's something you feel pretty confident about 14 and a half tackles for loss, 77 tackles from his position over his career. Obviously, defensive tackle, it's a tough one to really uh, generate statistics, but 77 tackles from that position, that's, that's a pretty impressive number. So I think he's going he's gonna to have some suitors out there. Certainly, certainly. And on the other side of that coin, Shakur Brown, probably a little bit more of an eyebrow raiser. Um, he had a full year of eligibility. He was not you know, one of those seniors that was given kind of the, the hall pass for next year. He he came in as a, as a junior by eligibility this year, didn't have a lot of experience under his belt. And we'll get to the all big 10 teams a little later, but put himself in a, the first and a half all big 10 team, first team, I think coaches and uh, second team media. So certainly not something I think anyone predicted coming into this year outside of maybe uh, the Scandalaris center. And uh, he, he actually back to your, your note about the coaches and how they'll develop talent and get guys to the NFL. He, he did, give a lot of credit to uh, coach Harlan Barnett, obviously our cornerbacks coach right now in refining his craft when he made his announcement. So obviously bodes well for that, but no, I mean, his game, he had the five interceptions this year. It led the big 10. I didn't check in the final national stats to see if he was tied to lead um, nationally, but obviously a great year. He definitely fell off a little bit the last couple weeks though obviously tougher matchups against uh, Ohio State's duo and Jahan Dotson from uh, Penn State last week and uh, so it was an interesting I think what struck me the most was the timing of his announcement Um, you've got Maryland coming up unless something happens here in the next couple days you got Maryland coming up on on Saturday definitely a better matchup to, to kind of you know leave a good taste in your mouth it was interesting that he announced it right after probably his two worst games of the year. 
Um, it certainly caught me by surprise. I, I knew or I figured it was a possibility just given the season he was having and trying to take advantage of your draft stock, you know, when it's high. Um, but I was still surprised. I think there's still some things in his game that can be improved. I think he got beat a few times and I don't know. I mean, personally, I think he'll be sixth or seventh round kind of guy. Um, I think he will get drafted, but it's, it's when you get down into those later rounds, it gets pretty hard to predict, especially at his position. We don't have any testing for him yet. He probably won't be a combine guy. Um, so what, you know, what will pro days look like? Will they have pro days? I don't know. Um, it's, it's interesting. It seems like because of the question marks around his game now and the fact that he doesn't really project to the higher rounds and he has eligibility left, unless he was concerned that his play would drop off next year and he's kind of playing out of his shoes right now, it seems like he would have extra value in coming back and putting together a really strong full season of work next year um, to make his case for some higher rounds and a bigger paycheck when he gets to the league. So Interesting. Obviously we're rooting for him. We were, you know, really happy to have him this year. He made a huge impact on defense this year and turned some games our direction. Um, but yeah, surprising one. Um, hopefully I'm wrong about this one. Hopefully NFL scouts love him more than kind of what we've seen, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts. Obviously, like I said, rooting for him, love the guy and uh, wishing the best. Yeah. I, I have some, some thoughts about Shakur Brown. So I, di- I didn't want to post anything on Twitter because when he announced it, it was, of course, everybody is, is being extremely positive. And like you said, I, I want to make it really clear that we're rooting for him and that I really hope he goes on to have an all pro NFL career. Like I, every single Michigan state player I root for in the NFL, I have some jerseys. I, I Justin Lane, I have a signed Pittsburgh Steelers, Justin Lane Jersey uh, in the man cave. Like I, I root for all these guys. But Shakur Brown, I just really don't understand it. I, I really don't understand why he left. He's had 11 career starts in the Big Ten. And yeah, he's had seven interceptions in those 11 games, which is unbelievable. But interceptions is a stat that does it tells far from the whole story of a defensive back. And I think people are, are getting a little bit caught up in that number. He's tied for the lead in the country with five interceptions this year. But like you said, there were a few games where he got beat pretty good. Um, that Indiana game, he got torched a couple times. Ty Fry, Fogel, and, and Wap Fillier had a day in that one. Ohio State, uh, you know, they were doing whatever they wanted on offense against us. And then obviously last week as well. And I, I just, I, I think the timing is bad. I, I think he could develop himself into an NFL player at some point. He's got the tools. He's 5'11", a buck 90. He's got good size for the position. I just don't think he's ready. And I I do think that he would have been better served uh, under another year, under Harlem Barnett, one of the better defensive back coaches in the country, under Mel Tucker, a former defensive back himself with a a specialty in coaching defensive backs. I really just think he would have been much better off coming back. I really don't understand this decision. I personally, I would be pretty surprised if he was drafted. Like you said, the the sixth, seventh round, once you get the difference between a sixth round player and, a, and an undrafted free agent sometimes is very, very small. Um, so if he does get picked up in the seventh round, but like, I think we get a jaded view of, of all of our players and it's, it's much different than the reality. Kenny Willekes was a seventh round pick. I know it's different positions. I know there's different circumstances, but you know, we have to remember that Michigan state, we're not the only school out there or we're not the only ones putting out these players. Every school's got a defensive back going into the draft. Every school's got somebody that they're excited about. And I think just like you said, maybe it's trying to capitalize on, on the hype, trying to capitalize on having a good season because he is all in all having a good season. I know, uh, PFF is pretty high on him with, with their analytics that they're, he's one of the best corners in the country, according to their grades. I just don't see it. I, I think he could have used another year to come back, get some experience. Uh, and I just, um, yeah, again, wishing him the best. I, I just don't think he's ready. I think with only 11 starts under his belts, some teams are, are going to be really questionable 
uh, about how much experience this kid has. And some of those games, some of those 11 games did not look good. Penn state did not look good. So there's one out of 11. That's like 10% of your games right there. Ohio state didn't look good. Now we're up to about 20% of your games that, that you got torched. And I would have to go back and check every single one, but you're starting to get into some dangerous territory. So like I said, I think he's got the tools for sure. Like you said, maybe he comes out, tears up the pro day and somebody falls in love with him. I just think he, he would have uh, been better off coming back for another year, but Hey, every kid's got different reasons for their decisions. Uh, maybe there was something where, um, you know, he just thought it was the right time for him. Maybe he's got, you know, somebody in his ear that knows some people in the NFL that, you know, Hey, uh, I've been talking to some people. They really think that think highly of you. And, and if you were to come out, maybe there's some teams who are interested in the middle of the third, fourth round. I don't know, but I just think that it was a little early and he'd be better off coming back. Um, but that does bring us into something that we wanted to talk about was the, is the defensive backs right now. We're dropping like flies, man. What's happening. Yeah. I mean, this was not a story at all. Um, last time we recorded that I can remember. Um, we were even just talking Julian about Barnett how much, made... how much depth we have at the defensive yeah. back. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, we were, it's, it's an interesting, it, it happened fast, obviously just to keep, everybody up to date. I'm sure everybody already knows, but Julian Burnett and entered the transfer portal. Uh, as we were just discussed, Shakur Brown declared for the draft and a big surprise. And nobody really has any context around this outside the program, but Chris Jackson is apparently no longer with the team right now. And quote unquote, his future with the team will be evaluated after the season. So uh, again, I, I personally have not seen any further details, not even rumors around what's going on with him. No, I don't know if he's that's considering been under transferring. Wraps or if this is disciplinary, I get more of a disciplinary vibe just in like the kind of stern tone in the announcement and the, the way it's been held hush hush and everything. But in any event, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much, but what we do know is he he's not playing this weekend and he, his status with the team is, is a question mark, obviously going into the off season and, and the future years that he had, you know, he was eligible to play. And so um, yeah, I, I guess that leaves us with Angelo Gross, um, young potential rising star who's, who's shown some flashes this year, and Kalen Gervin, who I believe has one year of eligibility left um, and will certainly be anchoring that. I group think, too. I think year. he's a redshirt sophomore. Okay, maybe two. But um, yeah, so I mean, both good corners. Angelo Gross, I think, is more of the inside guy that they want to be playing at nickel, just given his physicality and kind of the way that he lines up against other wide receiving groups. So that leaves, whether Gross stays inside or outside, it leaves in this defense an opening for someone, uh, whether they're on the roster or coming in, or maybe we'll get a transfer corner or something, but somebody to, to fill that gap. Um, what was probably our strongest position group two weeks ago when you projected out to next season has now become one of the biggest question marks outside of linebacker. So, um, and now linebackers filling up. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, it's obviously it shows how fast things can change, especially in the year of COVID and everything going on. You you just never know kind of when when things are going to get shaken up. But um, you mentioned we do have some exciting recruits, and, and there's some guys already in the pipeline on the roster now that could could make a splash. But yeah, certainly caught me by surprise, and it's been a big shift uh, over the last I don't know seven to ten days. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it is crazy because we were on this podcast. I don't remember if it was Monday or Thursday of last week. And we had like a pretty lengthy discussion about, yeah, going into 2021, our defensive backfield, we feel pretty confident about, we got depth. We got some starting guys that we like. There's a lot of youth. And then all of a sudden in three days, it flips on its head. Uh, like you said, the, the good thing is we do still have a couple guys, right? Kalon Gervin is somebody I feel pretty confident about being a solid big 10 cornerback. He's shown plenty uh, of ability here this year. We have Angelo Gross, who I, I absolutely love. And we got five defensive backs coming in, in the 2021 class. So, you know, I'm sure that there will be a couple guys who kind of, you know, come up through the craps cracks, Davion Williams, is yeah. one that the coaching staff I know spoke pretty highly of in the preseason. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of them on the field yet this year. Maybe that changes going into the last game of the season, which I totally forgot to mention. I'll put in the um, uh, in the uh, description here. 
Uh, we will not be previewing the Rutgers game here on this podcast. I will do a separate Maryland, Ruck, uh, Maryland, Maryland, uh, Maryland preview tomorrow. So we, we won't be previewing that game today. There was just so much news going around that we decided that uh, we'll, we'll put that off into a separate episode. So the Maryland preview will be tomorrow, but yeah, maybe that's a game where Davion Williams gets a chance to, to get on the field a little bit more. I'm not sure, but yeah, this, this defensive backfield group totally just flipped on its head in the matter of a couple days here. I still feel pretty good about it. It's not something where, oh man, we're, we're screwed now, but it is something to keep an eye on. It's certainly something that we're going to have to watch here as we enter the final game, assuming we're probably not getting a bowl game and this is the final game. I know Mel Tucker mentioned that he is open to an invite. If somebody invites Michigan state that, that we're going to be playing in that game, he wants as much football as he can get. Um, Will we get an invite as a two, maybe three win team? Uh, We are underdogs here against Maryland. So uh, I, I'm not sure, but uh, there, the, there's no rules for the bowl games this year. They don't require a certain number of wins. They don't require any sort of win percentage. And, and Michigan state is a big school. It's a big draw um, with a lot of TV money involved. So, Hey, maybe somebody sees that and throws us an invite to a lower tier bowl game, but um, probably the last game we'll see. And we'll see, we'll have to see kind of the defensive back rotation and what they start to put on the field without Chris Jackson, Julian Barnett was barely playing anyway. Um, but Shakur Brown, I, I meant to say this with Shakur Brown too, as of right now, the last I heard is that Mel Tucker said that um, here's the direct quote. I will talk to Shaq today and see where he is in terms of playing the game. We'll just go from there. So he hasn't necessarily said one way or the other, if he will play this weekend or not. Um, obviously if he does, that would kind of shore up that group a little bit. If he doesn't, that, that certainly leaves even more of a void here, uh, to finish off the year, but it's certainly going to be a big storyline to watch as the, the year ends up and, and going into the off season is who, who are going to be some of these, you know, two deep defensive backs. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And actually same goes for, uh, Naquan Jones, as far as the status this weekend, we don't really know what it is. I think he, Tucker said just about the same thing. He was going to talk with him, see where they were at. Um, I think, especially in the case of Shakur Brown, he has every, um, you know, benefit in playing, barring any injury, God forbid, um, you know, just to get one extra game of tape on his film, film role against one of the bottom, I would say bottom big 10 teams, although they've exceeded expectations by a marginal amount this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of this game against Maryland, uh, we won't preview it, but just want to use it as an opportunity to talk a little bit more about Peyton Thorne. Uh, we haven't talked about this side of the ball yet. So one of the other kind of little nuggets of news that I think flew under the radar a little bit this week with everything else going on is that Mel Tucker did come out and say in his press conference on uh, Tuesday that Peyton Thorne would be the starter this week. So this is something that Tucker avoided when Rocky was starting. He avoided when Thorne got the start last week. He, he was kind of hush-hush about it. What I found interesting is that he said Peyton's going to start and we'll see if Rocky's available. So not only, you know, if, if Rocky wasn't available, you, you could see how he'd be comfortable saying that because there's not really a decision to make. But if he's thinking Rocky might also be available and maybe that have, has to do with game prep time. But it was interesting to me, him to have that comfort level to say Thorne is going to start Um, And we'll talk in the next episode a little bit about what that means against Maryland, but I want to take it a little bit more in the direction of the off season and going into next year. Kevin and I were talking about this a little bit uh, a couple of days ago, kind of the debate between, do you go into the off season with just an open competition saying we don't have a QB one, everybody saw what Thorne had and what Rocky had this past season, but nobody's got the job. Or do you go into the off season kind of saying, you know, one of these guys is our guy this year, not to say he's going to start week one already, but to say he's QB one as it stands right now, it's his job to lose and someone has to take the job from him. Do you give someone that distinction going into the off season or do you, or do you give it an open competition? So Kevin, I'm going to throw that to you let you give your thoughts on that one first. Yeah. So this is something like we, we agree a lot on this podcast, uh, maybe even too much. I don't know, but this is something I know, you know, from our conversation that we, we might disagree on here. I, 
I, I like Peyton Thorne a lot. Anybody who's listening to this knows that I've been calling for him to be starting the entire season. Um, but my thoughts going into the off season are that assuming he, he starts and let's say he plays another good game, right? Penn state. I gave him a solid B thought it was a good game. I thought he came out. He, he executed the offense. He made a couple really nice throws, made a couple boneheaded decisions, but uh, all in all played a really nice game. And let's say he goes out there against Maryland and, and puts together another nice game. We, we win and there's some momentum going into the off season. I don't think that that should hold this staff back from bringing in another quarterback. And by that, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be pretty clear here. I I'm not necessarily saying bring in, you know, a Justin Fields, because I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's realistic for a program right now, the state that we're in to bring in one of those clear cut. He's going to walk in and be your starter from day one, a, a Justin Fields, a Joe Burrow, a, you know, JT Daniels. I just don't think that that's in the cart. So right now, I think the most realistic name that we're looking at is an Anthony Rousseau from Temple. And I think this is a good example, solid quarterback. He's been starting for three years. It's, it's certainly nothing special. It's nothing that's going to jump out at the page, but he's an experienced quarterback who, who brings in a, a, a certain level of uh, of comfort and he's he's a good quarterback he's a good player he's a he's a certainly an above average type player I think that Peyton Thorne should not prevent us from bringing in that type of guy because I want competition everywhere on this roster I don't care if it's quarterback I don't care if it's defensive back I don't care if it's the long snapper I want competition and I think that Mel Tucker the way that he's been talking and preaching all along is is leaning towards that direction and that's something that he talked about when Rocky was the starter. Why was Rocky the starter? Because he's the most competitive guy on the, on the team. So I think that bringing in another quarterback, look, I, maybe Peyton Thorne wins the job, but I, I just think that competition brings everybody up. It brings the level of play up for everybody on the roster. Um, it, it, it can turn Peyton Thorne into a better quarterback, knowing that he's going to be competing every single day this offseason. He's going to have to grind in the film room every single day this offseason, knowing that there's competition everywhere around him. And I think that competition in general just brings everybody up. So I, I don't think that regardless of how Peyton Thorne plays, I don't think that two good starts from a quarterback should prevent us from bringing in another guy to compete for that job. Yeah, so first I, I want to say I'm not opposed to bringing someone in necessarily, um, and I'm not opposed to having a competition. I do just lean more towards publicly saying Peyton Thorne is the guy going into this offseason. It's his job. The other guys are going to compete for it. That's not to say Peyton Thorne has it completely locked up. He has to continue to earn it every day in practice, every day throughout the offseason. He has to prove that that's that he's worthy of the of the title of starting quarterback. But I think you you let him know he's the starter and you let his teammates know he's the starter coming into this year. If somebody wants to transfer in and compete against that, fine. But I think for the sake of where this program is at, it's it's an unstable program right now. That's not to say it's not going places or that Mel Tucker can't bring stability to it. That's just to say, given the new coaching staff this year and everything that's going on this year with COVID and everything else, it's a really unstable time and it's an unstable program that's looking for leaders. It's looking for stability. It's looking for what is going to be the foundation of this program over the next two, three, four years that you can be assured is going to be there. It's something you can lean on um, and, and build around. And I think having a wide open quarterback competition, especially going into fall camp, I'll give you a, a spring competition, but especially going into fall camp and getting into the first couple games of the next season, having a, an unstable quarterback situation just creates instability all over the field. You don't know who your leader is. You don't know kind of who you can lean on and who's going to show up and, and be, you know, under center every snap. And and that has a lot of power having somebody in that position because everybody else can kind of focus on themselves and know, okay, Peyton's got his thing going on. We can trust him, you know, and we've been working with him all off season. He's our guy. Um, again, I think definitely you frame it as a, a competition and say, if you don't live up to this, somebody could take your job. But 
I think you give him that confidence boost and you give the team the confidence boost to say, we have a starting quarterback right now. He's our guy. Let's rally around him. Let's all help him get better and get comfortable in this situation and, and let him prove himself. And again, if he can't live up to that over the off season, then yeah, you can regress back into an open competition. But I think there's just, there's a lot of benefit in identifying your guy and, and rolling with him early in an off season. Yeah, no. And, and look, I, I'm, I understand that. And, and I, I really agree with it to some extent, like there is a lot of value in a team going into an off season, knowing who their quarterback is going to be right. When, when we had a Kirk cousins, when we had a Connor cook going through the entire off season, the entire team knows who is the leader. They know who the quarterback is. That, that is a huge benefit. A hundred percent. Um, I, I just, I, I get nervous that we're putting a little bit too much stock and like, I, it, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm trying to play like the stock market here. Right. When, when the value was super low on Peyton Thorne at the beginning of the season, I'm like, Hey, we got to get this kid in. We got to give him a chance to be the starter. I feel like it swung a little bit too much in the other direction. Now I gotta, sh- I gotta sell my shares a little bit here. Um, I just think that to some extent, we're getting a little, a little ahead of ourselves here uh, with, with two starts under his belt by the end of this season uh, and, and saying, Hey, he's our guy. And again, I, I get what you're saying. I, I know the, you're not, you're not trying to say that, Hey, this is our guy. We're not, we're not even thinking about any other quarterbacks. Like I, I, I know you're not saying that, but I think as a fan base, there's a lot of folks out there who are kind of saying, Hey, let's, let's just bring in this kid. And, and, and he's our guy. I, I do think that there's just there is so much value in competition, and whether that's at the quarterback spot again or or anywhere else on the roster, I think it boosts up everybody. And and I, I do see it. You know that that it's it's a trade off in value, right? The value of competition or the value of stability. And I don't know which one is more valuable. I I, I don't have a perfect answer for that, but. For my money, yeah, I'm I'm still looking at bringing in an Anthony Rousseau from Temple. I'm still looking at bringing in one of these graduate transfers, um, who can come in and compete for the job. And and whoever the best quarterback is, that's the guy who's going to get the job. But I, I just think, and, and I want to be clear about this too. I I feel like I'm I'm conveying something of like if Peyton Thorns named the starter that he's going to get lazy or something. Like I I don't think that's the case. Again, we they talked about it all the time. But his dad's a coach grandfather's a coach I don't think that's in his DNA to, to sit back on his laurels and say hey man I'm QB1 I don't need to show up today I don't need to work out today I, I know I'm the starting quarterback I don't think that's in his DNA at all um, I just think that quarterback uh, battle can can bring out a lot in him and I think that having that competition is just going to make him better every single day so yeah for my money that that's the direction I would still lean even if he goes out there and plays another good game yeah, yeah, and we'll see how how uh, how the Kevin quarterback stock moves uh, <laughs> after this last uh, this last game here. Uh, well, presuming it's the last game, um, I'm excited though. I mean, we're not giving him the Joe Milton treatment, if you will. You know, we're not slapping no, his so face yeah. on the Heisman Trophy or anything. Um, but no, it's exciting to have a guy that even part of the fan base uh, feels like could be the guy going forward. I think a lot of the fan base feels like he could be the guy going forward, not to say that he will be, but he has the potential to be something that I think, and no offense to Rocky, but something I think a lot of people struggled to really get behind when Rocky was under center. So it's an exciting time with everything going on, not the least of which is our quarterback play that's starting to trend upwards, definitely. Um, and on the, on the topic of playing time and on the in the spirit of, of live news today with everything coming in, just a quick quote from Mel Tucker while we near the end of this episode here. Uh, he's on the Big Ten Network right now speaking. Uh, he was asked about Nauteote, Harmon, Okello, Watson, and then again about Hampton Fay, Kevin Wigington, and Chuck Brantley about uh, having a chance to play right away. He says, we're not afraid to play freshmen. We showed that already this season. So um, expect a lot of new faces out there as we start next season. Obviously, we'll get into in this offseason, we'll get into, uh, you know, positional breakdowns and we'll have a lot more news coming out of camp about who's catching some eyes and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah hopefully we'll whole... finally have some spring football to talk about. <laughs> Fingers crossed, even if it's a, an empty spring game, um, hopefully we'll have something. But uh, yeah, a lot of new faces to look forward to a new look. Uh, some of some of Tucker's guys will be starting to filter in and we'll see what that looks like as, as Mel Tucker gets his guys in there and turns them into what he, uh, you know, thinks they 
could and should be. And uh, it'll be an exciting year. I think next year I'm, I'm looking forward to obviously a lot. It's a long way out. Um, but today has my mind on next year because it is, you know, national signing day and these guys will be on the field next year. So exciting. Hopefully we do have some stars on the roster here that uh, we're starting to uncover and we're uh, and we're going to have a good year next year. Yeah. And like I said, for anybody who might be listening to this for the first time, for anybody who's missed the last couple episodes, I want to make sure it's it's uh, emphasized. This is an MSU football podcast. We don't talk really basketball or anything like that. We'll mention it if, if something big's going down, if we're playing Michigan, if we're, you know, in the hunt for a Big Ten title. But it's a football podcast. And I want to, again, make it very clear. We will be going year round. It won't be twice a week. It'll just be once a week throughout the offseason. But uh, make sure that, again, if, if you're new to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe because you're going to continue to get Michigan State football content the entire season long, the entire offseason. We'll, we'll be talking about this football team. And, yeah, the, with signing day approaching, you know, this this is one of those big things where you start to look for towards the future. You start to look at, hey, what does this mean for the linebacking position next year? Antoine Simmons is probably gone. So we bring in this freshman, now Teote, and, and how does he fit in with this roster? And uh, we're going to be talking about all of that this offseason. We're going to talk. I have a bunch of topics that are already ready to go. Um, so that that's going to be really exciting. So, uh, yeah, National Signing Day is, is wrapping up here as we finish recording. Uh, there will probably be a little bit more news, but – I don't expect anything, you know, big. I, there's been a couple more cryptic tweets as we go along, as there always is. Um, but, uh, Scott, anything else before we get out of here today? No, I mean, I, I'm starting to get that kind of bittersweet feeling near the end of the year. We got one, maybe two games, if we're lucky, left. Um, it's kind of that last finish where you get lost in, uh, you know, the, the rhythm of the season and all of a sudden in the snap of the fingers and the blink of an eye, you're sitting in the, the beginnings of an off season and you realize you don't have a lot to, uh, you know, a lot of games to look forward to anymore. So, you know, to all the fans out there, look forward to and enjoy this last couple weeks of the season, however they may shape up to look. Um, it was a weird season uh, for sure. Um, and, and I'm sure it'll be a weird off season again, but uh, yeah, enjoy the football we have left. Enjoy kind of the little insights and, and, you know, a peek behind the curtain of what's to come under coach Tucker. I think we, this program has a lot to be excited about. And uh, I think this signing day today has only added on to that. So um, things are looking up and I'm excited. Yeah. We were before the season started, we were begging for just one game. That's all we said before the season. If we get one game, I'll be happy. We've gotten uh, by the end of this, we'll have seven or eight of them. I don't even know off the top of my head right now. It's been such a crazy day. Um, so again, follow on Twitter at standing room, MSU at Spartan Martin 18, uh, follow on Instagram at standing room Spartans again, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Uh, I really appreciate all the support. And tomorrow I will be back on the feed previewing this Maryland game. Again, just didn't really have time to get to that with all the news that's coming out. That'll probably be a solo job by me tomorrow. So we'll make sure you uh, tune into that. And uh, yeah, enjoy one more weekend of MSU football here as the season winds to an end and the off-season content will start here soon. So have yourselves a phenomenal weekend. Um, again, I'll be with you tomorrow, but anybody who doesn't listen to the preview, have a great weekend. Anybody who does, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, folks.